Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley, uh, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, uh, Natural Beauty Spa, Icarus FC, and uh, Roughneck Scarves. It's game day, guys. I don't know how hyped up you are, but it's another day, another match where we go against the bad guys up of up off uh, 281. It's it's been a difficult week. Look, it's been a difficult week for the players. It's been a difficult week for coach. You played San Antonio at home on Sunday, last Sunday. You go to Oklahoma City on Wednesday. Now you come back today, Saturday, uh, and play against San Antonio once again away. And uh, meanwhile, you've got uh, Rio Grande Valley uh, starting to get hammered by uh, Hurricane Hannah, which you can see. There we go. Uh, there we go. Down there, up in the lower uh, left-hand corner, you will see the uh, live uh, radar of uh, Hurricane Hannah. But just wanted to... Uh, to add that, since I am a, I do love uh, weather, especially storms like this. But anyways, going back into topic, um, I do want to uh, thank you all for t for tuning in. Um, like always, the chat will be available to, for y'all to give y'all's uh, takes on the on the games. Um, if you guys want, if you get, if you guys want, you know, just just uh, let us know if you have any anything you guys want to discuss. We are going to be talking about all three games today. Hopefully, we can uh, actually, while we're still live, we can get the lineups uh, from the USL uh, for this upcoming match. But to talk, like always, like almost every week, we've got Ray Silva of South Texas Border Sports hopping on uh, to discuss this and all RGVFC uh, topics that have occurred in this past week since we've last been live last Wednesday. Ray, how have you been? How, hey, is, how, how is Hurricane Hannah treating you? Uh, it's treating me well. I'm here in the friendly confines of my own man room um, based on the uh, decorations I have here. Uh, it's been going well. Um, haven't been going out too much uh, since uh, last uh, Wednesday when I just went to go run a few hours. But it, it's been all good for me. Uh, Hoping to break down another uh, edition of the South Texas Derby. And boy, did that first uh, edition of 2020 have a lot of uh, for us to talk about. Let's go ahead and get started with that. So, you know, coming into this match, I'll, you know, the day of that Sunday, I was invited to the pregame show. Uh, with the San Antonio uh, Soccer Roundtable uh, program with Harry and uh, Rafa and, and, and Scott, you know, really fine people. Uh, but, you know, they, they invited me over to the show. I was the, on I was the only RGV representative uh, surrounded by San Antonio fans. And, you know, one of the, the keys to the game that I talked about on the show because they asked me, well, what are the strengths uh, that RGVFC have going into this match uh, that will maybe get them the win? One of the things I mentioned was that San Antonio was coming into this match with no 
uh, match fitness whatsoever. This would be their first game back from, from the break. They didn't do any free, uh, friendly training. It was just inter-squad uh, inter, inter training, right? And that's not the same as an actual official match, right? So I said, look, San Antonio is going to get tired by the second half because we saw that from RGV. RGV against El Paso, they got tired really quick uh, at the second half where they couldn't do anything at all. Look, and, and I figured that San Antonio was going was gonna to be going through the same thing. Nobody believed me. They all thought, you know, they were all a bunch of homers. Nah, just kidding, Harry. But no, they didn't, they didn't really believe me in the fact that that would happen. And, you know, lo and behold, I just spilled water on myself. Thank you. Uh, lo and behold, that happened exactly. But, Ray, what were, your, what were your thoughts going into that match? What were your thoughts on both teams? Uh, first, I'll start off with the uh, visiting team, San, uh, San Antonio. You know, I was I thought I would see a very um, rusty San Antonio bunch where this was their first game uh, besides, like, all the inter-squads that they had amongst each other's, while RGV had to wait another 48 hours. So that may that may have given a bit of a a bit of an advantage to San Antonio going in. However, um, I do want to say that the first five minutes of the match really caught me off guard with that goal. Now, it's been a defensive problem for RGBFC every time they have to play the long ball and especially having to cover that defensively. So was it a surprise that San Antonio went up that early? Yes, it was because uh, San Antonio came out just playing with a lot of high energy. High energy that drastically tailed off into the second half. Now with RGVFC, how were they going to control themselves emotionally after letting in five goals in their home opener versus Los Dos. That didn't carry very well into the first five minutes of the match as they conceded that early goal to Pirano. Now in the second half when Coach Etcheverry made uh, the substitutions, then that's when you started to see a little bit of a of a turnaround on the team. Kibato uh, wasn't letting uh, it I felt like he seemed a bit suspect in the defensive mid once Isidro came in and changed uh, things around you kind of saw Isidro kind of take over that midfield and it started generating opportunities he got himself a set piece chance that hit the post uh, Tyberson as I stated earlier uh, not not as I stated in other podcasts, Tyberson was going to be a lot more damaging in the wings. And sure enough, he created a lot of off offensive havoc uh, for the for the San Antonio defense. And then when coach decided to bring in uh, Beckford and Obregon, you kind of saw a different face on this team. So for the Toros to have gotten an equalizer, it was kind of a, a little bit of an 
unfair result because of the opportunities that Tyberson had. That game easily could have been a 3-1 game with the Tyberson hat trick, but a 1-1 was a result. And hey, you just gotta, uh, you know, sometimes just t take it for for what you've had uh, based on the circumstances that the team uh, based as well. Let's focus first on the first half, and I think you brought up a good uh, a good point regarding Campbell Pikibato. But I do want to emphasize this player more on the negative side. James Murphy. Okay. Who I believe, if I recall correctly, he started over uh, over Cello or Timo. Mm -hmm. To me, James Murphy. Well, in general, in general, the Toros team. Um, especially in the midfield, they got tired of losing balls in the midfield and transition to San Antonio. And kudos to San Antonio for for having that high pressure on the Toros midfield, just looking to pounce uh, on that effort to create a mistake, to force the Toros midfielders to put that ball in an easy location for the defenders to swoop that ball up and just continue on the attack. Um, I feel like that that goal with Pirano in the third minute, I mean, uh, nobody was expecting a goal that quick. But, it, and I mentioned it during halftime. I know I went live on Twitter during halftime. And I mentioned that it seems to me that this is a system issue. This is, this is an organizational issue. Because we saw it with Houston Dynamo at the MLS's back tournament that they had the same issues with long balls up in the air. And once again, now with RGV, it, it, it happened. You know, looking to go over the midfield, the problem really wasn't uh, the center backs because Solignac... I hope I said that correctly, but Solignac just was able to pounce on that ball quicker than Robert Castellanos, if, I'm, if I recall correctly. He and, beats, and he beats Robert. Out. Yeah, well, well, well. That that's where I'm heading at, right? So Solignac gets to the ball before uh, Castellanos. The ball lands on Christian. Well, the ball lands towards the area where Pirano and Coronado are at. Pirano gets to that ball first before Coronado, and, and Robert Coronado tries to push him, tries to make Pirano lose uh, his balance. i guessing he wanted to sacrifice himself, maybe get a yellow. Could have been a red, maybe. I don't know. I don't think he was last man, if I recall correctly, but he was going uh, towards goal, but he was heading out, so I don't believe that would have been counted as a... Uh, uh, as a what's what's the term that they use an assist <laughs> no 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 i'm talking about like for uh you know how they say it, where it's an opportunity on, on goal one-on-one -on -one, clear chance mm, anyway there's a specific there's a specific term dog so i think it's what it's called De denial of goal scoring opportunity there it is so since he was heading out i don't think it would have counted, uh, counted as dog so but he wanted to stop piranha uh, as best as he could but Pirano, holy smokes, like that, the talent of that kid to maintain his balance, maintain his composure and slot that ball underneath Paul Blanchett's 
uh, legs as he was coming out. That guy, the, the kid's got talent. You, you have, as a Toros fan, you have to accept it. The kid has got talent. And uh, San Antonio just continued just continue to exert pressure, create those, those mistakes uh, on the midfield. And, you know, we looked at it and it was like, like, really? Like, we can't, you know, go against a team that is going to... We knew coming into the match, Harry told us during the week that San Antonio was going to play high pressure on the Toros. And that's exactly what they did. But somehow, neither James Murphy nor Kembo Kibato were able to identify a way to bypass that pressure. And they just kept losing ball after ball after ball. It was, I don't know about you guys, but it was frustrating to see these Toros being completely overrun in the first half. Yes, James Murphy was the other midfielder that started alongside of Kibata. Just looking at my halftime uh, stat sheet, uh, uh, that was emailed to me. Th uh, thanks, Ronnie. Uh, you, you see, just looking at the formation here, which shows a basic 4-4-2 uh, with uh, Cabado and Murphy playing in the midfield. Once the once the substitutes were made, I kind of felt a little bit more comfortable with Isidro holding down the, the midfield, which was a kind of a good sign when the team started, uh, you know, producing more opportunities aside from the Tiberson hitting the post and and having a few other chances. Now, if you look at the second half, you kind of saw a little bit of a different team after the subs. Wouldn't you agree with me? Yes, yes. I, I think, so, starting with Cello, I think when Cello was subbed in, there was a lot more control in the midfield Obviously, you got to have to pair it. We have to be honest. We have to pair it with the fact that San Antonio was getting tired. You know, they were, they, because they were tired, they started to kind of fall back. They started to just focus on parking the bus. Because in the second half, their legs were too tired to create any more opportunities. And that's because they, they took out, they took out Ch uh, Chui to bring, in another, to bring in another player that had fresher legs, I think it was at halftime when they made that substitution. Yep. But the point of the matter is, you see right there just how one match, one official match, can be such a huge difference fitness-wise. And that's because, as Coach Echeverry said, they only had one day to, to actually practice with the whole uh, uh, positive test happening, having to uh, drive back from El Paso, and then having to uh, re, uh, recuperate uh, from, from that long trip. They only had one day, and not at the stadium. They did not practice at the stadium, so they couldn't, uh, 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 they couldn't get used to the fact that the, the pitch, let's be honest, was not in the best of, uh, uh, of shapes. So even with all of this against them, just that one 90-minute match against El Paso helped them a lot fitness-wise, Compared to San, uh, compared to San Antonio, and I think that was the biggest that was the biggest key in, in them being able to get uh, the results. We were close, like I said, we were close 
to actually uh, scoring some more goals. The post was kind of against us throughout the match, but let's be honest. I'm not happy with. I was not happy with with the equalizer. You cannot drop points at home. I'm just leaving it out there because I'm pretty uh, because I know there's going to be some people who are saying, well, you know, he's a, you know, it's, he's excusing the you know the the results with all of these factors that he's no I'm not and I said it I said it even after right after the the game I'm not happy with us dropping two points at home and heck I wasn't even happy the way we dropped two points in OKC which we'll talk about later because at this point we are almost a third of the way into into the tournament and we're still and we only have two uh, two points while San Antonio have what is it that they have two two games on hand on everybody else, and OKC has four points, uh, Tulsa has three if I'm not mistaken, you know. But the, the good at, thing the good thing about this the schedule setup Edson is that everyone's going to get that heavy con- congestion. We've mm-hmm. already gotten our hours out of the way, so this is ki- kind of a good thing that. The gaunt- the gauntlet part of the schedule came heavy and early, so that's kind of a good thing. I guess you can say I guess you can say that, but you know, the point I was the point I was trying to make is there was still a lot there was still a lot of mistakes uh, that were happening that were alleviated in the second half, and uh, another one of the points that I brought up in that pregame show that San Antonio pregame show that I was invited to was be on the lookout when Coach Echeverry subs in Juan Carlos Obregón and DeShane Beckford. You bring those two speedy players, you bring those two quick, talented players into the field against a tired team, they're going to cause destruction on you. And that's exactly what happened, especially in that in stoppage time where we had, I believe, six, goals, uh, six shots on target in those six minutes right there. Mm-hmm. And you saw it. And I asked Coach Echeverry, well, what's the difference between, in your analysis, what's the difference between having uh, Garrett McLaughlin and Luca Purpa up on top compared to having DeShane Beckford and Juan Carlos Obregón? You know, he just summed it up with the word, athleticism. Very, They're very athletic. They're very quick. They're very nimble. And that caused a lot of uh, disorganization on the, uh, on the San Antonio defense. Sure, they were able to clear some balls uh, out of the line, you know, whether it was uh, St. Clair or, or, or Kai Green or anyone in the defense. But the fact that the Toros were putting themselves in those goal-scoring opportunities shows that there is a lot of potential in, in, in this Toros attack. But the question is, you need to put that ball away. You need to be more accurate uh, when you have those goal-scoring opportunities. You can't just rely on putting in one because... Just like we've had, we, just like we said in in in, ga- in uh, seasons before, this defense might be good for eighty plus minutes, but they always have had one mistake in the last couple of minutes, like eighty five and beyond, and we've lost and we lose the lead, and that's exactly what the announcers, I think they said it against San Antonio, but I know for sure they said it against OKC. They said one of the things about this this RGB uh, team is that they play good, but they don't know how to extend that, that performance to the full 90 minutes. So they've lost a lot of points because, uh, in those last couple of minutes because of, the, because of that. They can't hold on to a lead, right? At this point, we're able to salvage a point coming in from behind, but 
We could have been a whole lot more accurate with their, sh uh, with their shots and uh, slotting that ball in. That's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. Now, I, don't have, I really don't have a, uh, a solution. I don't think anybody has a solution to how to get these players to slot the ball in other than more practice, more practice, and making sure that these players have en enough uh, 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 mental capacity to once they have an opportunity, they have the timing to make the correct decision whether to pass it, whether to dribble one more player, or to just shoot it right there. Because a lot of times also, and we saw it a lot with the Dynamo, uh, we see it a lot with the dash. We've seen it with RGV. Sometimes they take one extra extra touch that for a, a, a an opportunity that could have been a goal-scoring opportunity, they take that one extra touch, and here comes the defender. kind of takes it away kind of thing. So that's one, of the, that's one of the things that needs to be improved on. There is There has been some improvement. Like I said, defensive-wise, huge improvement over, over game number one. Don't, I'm, not li I'm not lying. Pablo and Chen under the pipes, huge improvement over the first game. Before these, these, uh, these matches of this weekend, Pablo and Chet was leading the league in saves with 15. Considering the fact that, it, that in game number one, he had zero saves, in two, well, yeah, right, El Paso and San Antonio, and then all, and in three games, he's had 15 saves. Now, you might say, well, that's because, you know, the, the defense is kind of a little bit porous in the fact that they're allowing the opposition to, uh, to score or, or to have opportunities on goal. But let's be honest. You look at Castellanos and his stats, and let me see if I can – let me see. I don't know if you have them, Ray, but mm -hmm. I feel like Castellanos and Manley have had a decent amount of clearances as well. Uh, in in their in their game stats. Yes, I, I can concur with with Coronado having just a, a a little bit more because he he's been the heart and soul of that defense. Now Castellanos is another who has been balling out, as they say. Uh, he had a a very good uh, man of the match uh, performance, um, worthy for the Toros against uh, San Antonio, he, he got heavily involved uh, in, the, in a lot of the plays that uh, San Antonio were able to produce attacks and that the, uh, and that the team or that the defense was able to, to clear out throughout the first half. So let's give credit where credit is, is due uh for the team now, if you look at how they performed against San Antonio, first half, second half, yes, I, I would agree that defensively I would probably be uh, more. Um, how would you? They, Coronaro and Castellanos were a little bit more precise. Uh, Carter Manley, who was still not officially listed on the USL championship roster for the uh, stat purposes of the San Antonio game. Uh, I'll tell you what, I felt like he's given that back line a little bit of, of morale boost and a uh, 
a shot of, of confidence because coaches can only do so much. But if you bring in veteran players like Carter Mandley, who have been there before in the MLS stage, who have played in the USL championship and league one, Hey, that's a guy that you can uh, look up to in order, in order to kind of improve your game. And, and, and that's where, I give credit to Carter Manley on that. And, and you see, and you hear all of that, the way he expresses himself at the press conferences. You see that maturity where, I know, where he knows he's in a position to teach, not only to learn, but to also teach guys like Castellanos, Coronado, Emil Legault, and, and, and help them improve in, in the search of going back in, uh, into MLS. And we're, see, we're seeing that with, Carter Manley, like you said, the defense is a lot more organized than, than it has been before. And can you imagine having him and Kyle Adams as the center back pairing? No diss to Castellanos. I would, right now, at this point, I would rather have Castellanos over Kyle Adams. But imagine a, 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 a Kyle Adams in his prime in the, uh, when he, with the Toros with Carter Manley. Look, just to give you a perspective of Castellanos' level of play right now throughout these first few games. Sure. Bring it. 41 clearances, 29 duels, 15 of them won, okay? And then aerial duels, 18, 10 of them won. I mean, Castellanos has been playing a little bit of lights out defense for mm -hmm. the Toros. Carter Manley in his few games as a Toros. 14 clearances, six interceptions, uh, five tackles, three of them won, 23 defensive duels, 13 wins. And he has one aerial duel won compared to his four attempts. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, Coronado. This number is a bit misleading for me. 11 clearances. Nine, nine tackles a challenge. Nine of them won. So he, he's a, he has a clean slate there. 25 duels. Uh, 13 of them won. Okay. And then if you look at the next guy down that line, Emil Legault. Five clearances, nine tack, uh, nine challenging tackles, six of them won, mm -hmm. 35 defensive duels. The number that surprises me here, only 16 of them won. Uh, I just feel like the back unit that's been used for these last few games, I think that th this coming game against San Antonio, it's going to be rather important you just keep it simple defensively mm -hmm. not to go up and attack but you know just try to keep everything level make blanchettes the work have an easy night and then who's who's the next highest with the clearances on the team blanchett himself yeah i think one of the uh, abilities or characteristics of paul blanchett has been that he is not afraid to go up, uh, go out, and inter intercept balls up in the air. Uh, that game against OK against OKC, that goal, I feel like he could have, 
gone out and tried to clear that cross that got to Emilio Gol's um, area. That might what's it, what was his name is Frank Lopez mm-hmm. uh, slotted slotted that in. But other than that, he he's looked solid. He had a he had a couple of saves against OKC. He had a couple of saves against San Antonio, and that's exactly how you shut people like me up. Prove me wrong. And I was know, talking I, a lot of smack after, well, not smack, but I was kind of criticizing his performance against Los Dos, and he's shutting me up. The fact that he leads the league in saves shows something. Shows that he actually does have potential, and that that game against Los Dos was just a fluke. You know, I've I have always um, I have always been a fan of Emil Legault's game, only because of his past uh, past experiences in Europe, and I'm glad he's getting his opportunity here with the Toros to show his game, and I'm the, I'm mightily impressed. You know, that's uh, that's something that I've I, I've told you off the air, and I, and I've told uh, Jacob Young off the air, but. Uh, you know, give give the give the kid some time, and and he'll he'll impress you somewhat. And so far, he he's lived he's lived up to my hype so far. And I think the fact that right after that right after that goal, uh, again, you know, with with Pirano, uh, Pirano, he had he didn't have as clear as opportunities, uh, uh, other than that goal. So I think they might have an opportunity. They might have the ability to be able to stop uh, Pirano from doing a lot of damage uh, tonight. Offensively, like I said, Tyberson, the fact that he is not afraid to shoot from outside the box, which is something that we've been wanting for a long time. I think the last player that you can say did not, who was not afraid of shooting from far away, who would it be? Jorginho James? Um, Eric Bird? The Birdman. Ah, the Birdman. But he wasn't really that. He wasn't really that consistent with that. He was more. I guess he was more of a distributor kind of guy. Um, but 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 the fact that but the fact that Tyberson has enough confidence in himself for multiple times shooting from outside the box. He had a he had a a, a, a shot on the post in the first half. In the second half, he had another opportunity that was saved by Saint uh, Saint uh, Claire, and then that authentic golazo in the ninety fourth minute uh, to equalize this. And the fact that coach says, oh, yeah, he puts those in in practice all the time. Goes that that guy, the, the kid has got, I say kid, but, you know, but the, that the player, Tyberson, has talent in that left foot. He, he, and as long as he can, he, that the other players give him the space, give him the ability to find that, that, that's, that opportunity to shoot, he might, he, he might be a good a weapon from from here from here on out in, in in this season. Yeah, and I totally agree with you that he uh, he can be a, a very dangerous weapon when deployed as a winger. For me, mm-hmm. now if you put him in the center of the field, okay, yes, you might still see that same encouragement to shoot from distance, but it's just uh, something that I feel that for me, I think he's better deployed as a winger. My biggest question, not only not only uh, in the game against San Antonio, but also in the game against OKC, 
Luca Purpa and Garrett McLaughlin. I'm very underwhelmed by their performances. I don't know it's because they can't they're not accustomed 100% to the uh, to coaches tactics to the to the the team's play style, but to me they have not produced as much as I wish they could. Now coach says cuz they asked him about Garrett McLaughlin and he always, you know, mentions the fact that Garrett McLaughlin is good at creating spaces, is good at go- going with uh, through the defense. But he says that the fact is that the other that the other players, his teammates, aren't finding him at the re- correct times. Well, which leads me to believe, wouldn't it be easier to kind of change that one player to kind of finish off the play style of the others than having to adapt everybody else to the style of Garrett McLaughlin? I don't know. This is me thinking out loud. I'm not... I'm not trying to take over Coach Echeverry's spot or anything like that, but this is just me thinking out loud. And it's like, I feel like with Garrett McLaughlin, like, we're still a little bit behind in that adaptation period. You you could be onto something, yes, 